articles that the two of them have written about the missing students in Ayotzinapa and the connection with the Mexican government. In the second half of the program, we'll be listening to a taped interview with Maxine Burkett, who is a climate um, th- climate um, activist and lawyer. And um, so now we would like to welcome Steve Fisher from Berkeley, California. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Elena. Thanks for having me on. So I was just in Mexico recently, and as usual, I I buy copies of the magazine Proceso and read it. And of course, like so many people, I was just very concerned about the situation of these missing students, as well as other um, massacres that have happened and the impunity in Mexico, and had read about Annabel Hernandez, and we should, I should let the listeners know that she is a Mexican reporter who is the author of uh, Mexico en Llamas, Mexico in Flames, and also Los Señores del Narco, which was published as Narcoland by Verso. And you both wrote these series of articles in Proceso. Can you talk about how you got together and how it was that you were able to do this investigative reporting on this very dangerous and very timely topic? Sure. So um, I met Annabelle um, at a conference when she had she had actually been invited to a conference here in Berkeley um, at the Graduate School of Journalism to speak about the dangers of reporting in Mexico. She was on a panel, and uh, we met there and spoke. And and um, of course, I had known of her work for quite a while, um, especially her book um, Narcoland, as you mentioned. Um, and was thoroughly impressed. And I I realized that I, I knew that things had become were becoming more dangerous for her there. She had, uh, you know, she's been accompanied by security guards, including her and her family, for um, a few years now, or at least she was in Mexico. And, um, you know, she, uh, we spoke, and at a certain point, um, she she decided that in fact she did want to, um, she did want to to start working with the investigative reporting program, and um, and and she's now she's now based here. Um, we. You know, we, we're both fellows, uh, as you mentioned, and we, you know, this story came up, and and Annabelle um, asked me, as I've had an interest in, in Mexico and I've been doing my own investigative reporting in Mexico um, for a little while, and I have, you know, when she asked me to uh, join her on this project, I was, I was thrilled to do so, and uh, it's been quite an experience. Can you talk about, well, first of all, I think we should let the listeners know, I'm sure uh, some people know about this disappearance, this latest disappearance, which happened in September of 2014 of the 43 normalistas or students at the Teachers College. Um, But there have been several other um, mass disappearances also. Can you talk about that and then how it is that you, um, what effect these articles have had in, in Proceso that directly link the Mexican government? Um, so I mean, right? There are a number of different uh, uh, situ- uh, situations and dis- disappearances that have happened, and, and I think one of the there. I mean, you know, disappearances happen all the time. I think what we were what we were especially interested in was the situation that happened just before um, the attack on September 26th against the students, which was when the military um, sort of gunned down. Um, a number of people, I believe it was up to 20 uh, people, who and 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 never were weren't held accountable for it until there was an investigation done into the situation, and it turns out that they it was it was sort of it was a massacre, um, and the military had said that they had received gunfire, and and were firing back, and when you know there were just with a, with some 
a few questions, you know, opened up that can of worms, and it turns out that the, the people were just lined up against walls and shot down. Um, that happened a few months uh, a few months prior to um, to the September 26th event. But what was really interesting was that the investigation that had, that came out on that um, through some some very wonderful journalists. The results of that investigation came out soon, just a, a little prior to um, to the next attack. And so it's a very interesting coincidence in which the government is already dealing with a lot of criticism for their military and, of course, the federal police. But in this case, it was very much focused on the military, and so I think they were um, they were in a position of really not wanting the public to know that just after everyone had learned that the military gunned all these people down, that again it's possible that you know the um, that that the military and federal police were uh, participating in another attack. Um, and what we found, I mean, in our article. Or I should, I should, I, w- I would like to start with the official story. The government has uh, their story, which is essentially that the students, the students coming from this rural teachers' school in a place called Ayotinapa were en route to um, to Iguala, which is where the attack essentially happened. According to the government, the students came into Iguala with the specific intent of interrupting an event um, that the mayor and his wife were putting on. The mayor of that city. Um, and then from there, the mayor essentially, according to the government, the mayor ordered his local, his municipal police and, and, and the local uh, cartel to sort of deal with these people and do away with them. Um, and that story held for almost three months. Um, and, and, and the government sort of had a, had a, had a lockdown on that story and was able to to sort of, you know, they were they were arresting all of these municipal police and making a great show of it, um, when in fact um, a huge reason why the government was able to lie about this was that they themselves, they, you know, these these documents, the criminal investigation, the files, are not public record in Mexico, and so they were able to keep those documents to themselves. And um, when we eventually got a hold of them, um, we were able to. See that that the Mexican government has incredible, I mean, an, an incredible amount of evidence contradicting their own official version, directly contradicting it. Um, and and it was through that 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 we began to realize that it was, uh, you know, we we really had we had a story uh, that was going to just just take essentially the focus off of the. Uh, or the, the sort of higher responsibility off of the mayor and the municipal police and turn it right onto the Peña Nieto government, essentially the federal police and the military, saying that they were aware, if, if not complicit, I mean, you know, directly involved in the attacks. There were recordings on, on cell phones of students saying, as they were being attacked, that it was the federal police. That's right, and and we have that also in depositions. Um, we have a student saying, explaining in great detail how the federal police shot at them. They were the one, they said that the municipal police were firing, and they fired in the air, but the federal police shot directly at the students, um, and then recovered their gun shells afterwards. Right, and what does this really mean as far as? Uh, 
it, it really, the, according to the articles, it's really going to the highest levels of the Mexican government to what would be the equivalent of the attorney general's office, the um, and the, the the federal federal police and federal uh, judiciary. So what is what is really happening with that now? It seems like you're not hearing about it, at least outside of Mexico. Right. So the. You know, you're right. The, especially the attorney general who is leading this investigation has, um, of course, uh, all of the documents that we have and probably much more um, evidence. And, and, and um, he has gone, he has, he has you know, um, spoken to reporters and in, in a few very um, well-cited uh, press conferences saying, for example, that... <clears throat> You know the well. He said I should mention. He said prior prior to our investigation, prior, before that came out, um, he was already saying that the military was not involved, and he has evidence to this. And in fact, the, a commander of the military went in front of um, the Mexican Senate and said the same. Said you know we have no evidence, saying showing that you know we just we weren't involved. And then um, when our story came out, I mean. We just showed sort of directly from documents that that wasn't the case, and the attorney general responded to our story directly regarding the federal police, and he said in, um, in the, on the um, national network Televisa um, that the, he, he said he read the artic, uh, an article, in a, it was a popular, it's a well-known news outlet, La Jornada in Mexico, and he said, based on what I read in that article, the federal police responded to this allegation and, 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 you know, said they were not involved. And he said that to me says they weren't involved. That's, Elena, that's a, that's, that to us was a very, very interesting comment because you would think that they would do their own investigation and not depend on, you know, um, just the federal police giving an interview to a news outlet. You would think that they would have they would have gone directly to the federal police. And it's interesting that he didn't say we are not. You know, he didn't say they're investigating them. Um, and when in fact they're they're investigating a, a number of municipal police who have far fewer ties to this attack um, than, than than the federal police do, and they refuse to investigate. So where is this at, at now at this point? And you and Annabel Hernandez are both in, in Berkeley. Are you continuing to work on this story from, from a distance, from a safe distance, I should probably say? Yes, um, we are, and um, there is, uh, this is only the beginning. We have a lot more um, to, uh, we have a lot more to do, um, and we will continue. And I know there has been, um, you know, there's been mention of, 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 of how safe we really are, and the fact is we're going to continue to report this story, and we're going to take no undue risks and uh, take all, all precautions. Um, but this, this is not over, and as, as, as you likely know, the government, you know, is trying to close this case and say, you know, here's what happened, um, sort of wrap it up in a neat little bow and say, you know, it's time to move on. And we're seeing from the investigation, our on, on, ongoing investigation, we're seeing that um, there's, there's so much more uh, to be revealed. And there's a, there's a lot of impunity that, that, uh, that, you know, couldn't all fit into one article. So we plan to continue. One of the things that was really horrifying out of many, many horrifying things about this attack, and we should mention that these are students from a fairly rural area, from a fairly poor area, a very indigenous area, that were becoming teachers in schools. Right. So these were these were 
I talk about normalistas. These are people who are becoming teachers of other young people in also rural areas. And this area had a history of, of really political consciousness raising. But when they were talking about looking for the bodies, they kept finding these graves, sometimes mass graves of all these people. And yet the DNA wasn't turning up as that of any of the students. These were other people. What was the result of that? I mean, it seemed like mass graves were turning up all over the state of Guerrero, and yet they weren't the missing students. Right, and and, and the official version is that, and you know, they again, the attorney general is is the one that's sort of leading this um, this official version of of the fact that the students were burned in a landfill. Um, Your article pretty much. Um, I forgot how to say it in English, these mentio, but it, it basically showed the flaws in that in that story very clearly. Right, and you make a really important point because, it, you know, it, 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 I think that's been the frustration of the parents um, in this investigation is that, is that there, nothing, you know, no students, no students, except for one, of course, which, um, which was, there, you know, one was identified, the remains of one student, but they, you know, it's not corroborated where those remains came from. Um, but the rest of these uh, 43 students have not have not been found, and and the frustration is extraordinary. And I think I think it it it, it peaked when the attorney general came out and with this rather ludicrous story of of the fact that students were being uh, were all burned in a landfill right on the outskirts of of, of Iguala in the in the town of Cocula. The, there was a, a prominent Mexican university did a, did a study, um, as you probably know, Elena, and they found as well that it would it would have taken an enormous enormous amount of uh, amount of resources to 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 cremate the bodies of these students in this landfill, and yet we have evidence uh, in our story and in, in in future articles that we wrote. I'm sorry, in uh, consequent articles that we wrote, it sh- we show that that there was a flight. Um, the day after the attack, so September 27, a heck, helicopter um, flew over Iguala, and it was it was it was um, commissioned by the Guerrero state government, and they saw absolutely nothing out of the out out of the ordinary. And this would have been over the exact time that these students that it, certainly the plumes of smoke would have been rising up from um, from from the landfill. Um, you know, I mean, there's just so many questions there. The fact that a cartel would put the remains in bags and toss them into a river. Um, you know, I've talked to Annabelle, of course, about this extensively, and she has, she, you know, her work investigating, investigating cartels in the government and disappearances is, 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 is absolutely extraordinary. And she, was, she has told me this is just not the actions of, uh, this is not how a cartel deals with people that, you know, they want to uh, disappear or, or, or eliminate. And so there's so many questions around that. And, and to date, again, the government hasn't been able to prove directly that the students were burned there. Um, so it's just another example of, of, of how they've been scrambling. And I think one of the important aspects of this is that the testament, the witnesses, the primary witnesses, um, for this entire uh, attorney general investigation, um, we're talking about the witnesses that, that, that connect the mayor, Abarca, to Guerreros Unidos, the local cartel. We're talking about 
the wit- one of the witnesses who supposedly paid off the mayor, um, and you know they're paying off the municipal police, and it, at least five of those witnesses were brutally tortured, and that's another that's another um, thing we write about. We we reveal in our in our investigation they were brutally tortured. Not only were they beat extensively, but electric uh, cables were used to shock them in various parts of their bodies. Um, and then, after that, in, that torture occurred, they were then asked to testify and say, in, in, according to these documents, say, you know, yes, indeed, we were, you know, we paid off the mayor, and yes, indeed, we did all of these things, and we've been in collusion with the municipal police. Um, and as many, pe- many people in your audience likely know, international law nullifies an investigation based on torture. And Mexico is not exempt from that. Um, in fact, Mexican law requires that, that if, if, it is, if there is evidence of torture of witnesses, the investigation has to start again. And that would be to say that the entire investigation that has become one of the biggest and most tragic events in, in the past few decades, if not half century, was based on torture. And they would have to go start from the beginning again and, and, and redo all of this. Um, and the whole, I mean, certainly if they were to do it again, the hope would be that they would investigate the federal police and the military, which they could still do. Well, according to the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press and the Committee to Protect Journalists, um, so many journalists have been killed in Mexico. I've, I've seen numbers ranging from 30 to 80. And, of course, over about 70,000 people, just civilians and people killed since 2006 in the so-called war on drugs. And um, when Annabel Hernandez, your colleague, was awarded the 2012 Golden Pen of Freedom Prize by the World Association of Newspapers and News Publishers, they said that Mexico has been one of the most dangerous countries in the world for journalists, with violence and impunity remaining major challenges in terms of press freedom. It it seems that that these links that um, you and Annabel and then Annabel in her earlier work and her books have uncovered really go throughout the the government of Mexico and throughout the structures of Mexico, whether they're police structures or judicial structures, what do you think is the is the remedy or what can be done as far as gaining justice, not just for the 43 missing students, but for all of the many disappeared and those who have been killed? I mean, that's a, you know, it's an, it's a very important question. And I think it's, 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 um, it requires a number of solutions. Um, I think that it's clear that the current um, government, the Peña Nieto government, um, is, 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 is incapable of bringing justice um, to not only to, for these, for these uh, 43 disappeared, for the families of those students and for the students themselves, but also for um, the, the number of disappeared. And I think I think the president, you know, President Peña Nieto has a history as, as um, you know, as governor when he when he cracked down brutally on a number of protests, um, and it cracked down. And you may recall the the, the movement of Atenco, um, you know, where he was cracking down on on a lot of movements in the streets from a popular uprising. So I think that it was it was pretty clear from the beginning that um, that Pre- President Peña Nieto was not is not 
was not going to going to be able to turn Mexico around or certainly stabilize the country. And it was interesting because in the very beginning there was a lot of momentum towards that, or at least the uh, the efforts to paint a beautiful picture of Mexico and that the economy was growing and that things were going well, and that just crashed um, on its face, um, obviously with this attack um, on the students and his inability to navigate it. I mean, he, he, you know, he, he flew off to China in sort of the height of this, this outcry against his, uh, against his, uh, the way he was um, navigating this, this, this situation. At one point, he basically told the families to get over it. And this is when they have never even found their, their, their family members, the students. They don't know what happened to them. They were just disappeared. And he, the president of the country, basically told them to get over it. Right, and the, and the attorney general, in one of his famous press conferences, um, essentially said, you know, there were quite, reporters were asking really difficult questions, and what at one point he just said "yame canse," and it became right. a very popular hashtag in Mexico. Right. And he said "yame canse," which essentially means, you know, okay, I'm tired of this, I'm done, and he walked off stage. Um, so this is, I think, this is, you know, uh, to, to go back to your original question, I think that there's a, you know, the Mexican government, the current Mexican government just seems incapable. And it was especially evident looking at these documents that the government has been, has had. The investigate, there's so many aspects of, of, of their investigation that is an absolute disaster. There's so many contradictions, so many, so many things that, that just remain missing um, in, a, in a story that is so important. But uh, so I think, I think it's, I think it's really important that um, there's a, there's a, a, a dramatic restructuring and changing of the government there. And I do believe, Elena, that the U.S. has a huge part and it plays a huge role in this. For example, the, the Merida initiative that helps, is supposedly, uh, you know, funds for, for helping stabilize um, the security forces and the, the country. Um, and the Merida initiative is going, you know, they're, they're directly funding the federal police and in sometimes the military in situations, um, and, the, and the federal police have not shown that they are capable of stabilizing the country. To the contrary, um, and increasingly, the military, which was once known as known to be sort of the last holdout of, of you know something that the people could believe in, which you know it can be questioned on its face as well. But they're certainly more becoming more and more involved as well. So I think there's just a dramatic shift and change needs to happen, and hopefully with, with the people uh, rising up in the way that they have, um, hopefully they can help to uh, bring that about. Well, it seems as though um, even though the connections might not be that clear between the United States and Mexico, Mexico doesn't manufacture arms. I mean, the arms, the weapons are coming from here, the guns are coming from here, and there wouldn't be a market for the drugs in Mexico if it weren't for the market here and the demand for the drugs. And so it always seemed to me that there was this very um, strong connection between what is going on here and what is going on there. If there, if there weren't uh, so much money to be made selling drugs... Um, horrible, destructive drugs that are causing this destruction, then there wouldn't be such powerful cartels that would be able to uh, buy off all these politicians and carry out all this violence. Sure, and I think that I think that uh, that 
more prevalent than ever. And with the most recent visit of Peña Nieto to, to, to the White House, I think that was an opportunity for uh, President Obama to really hold him accountable along with the international community and, and for President Obama to con seriously consider, for example, the Medi uh, initiative um, when, 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 when that funding has now been linked to so many different atroc atrocities carried out by the federal police. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think that, that um, the United States has a, has a very significant role and, and um, has chosen um, conveniently to, to avoid taking responsibility. Well, I'm right now in the middle of reading um, Annabel Hernandez's very powerful book, um, Los Señores del Narco, which is available in English or Spanish online or as e-book or as a, an actual book. Where do you recommend people uh, to get information, up, uh, updated information to stay on um, abreast of this story? Well, we've been working primarily with Proceso magazine, so as you and, and, and which, uh, as you mentioned, the stories um, early on. Um, Proceso is a, is a great place to, to, to keep tabs um, on the stories. You can go also um, to the investigative reporting program at UC Berkeley, the website, and um, and and you know find some of our work there. But I think at this point we're essentially working um, as freelance, which allows us to collaborate with a number of different networks and outlets, and, and we would, you know, we will continue to uh, make, you know, reach as broad an audience as, as possible. And when Annabel Hernandez was living in Mexico, she had to have um, security 24-7, uh, and even so, her home uh, was the subject of a home invasion. Are, do you feel the need for that kind of security in the United States, or only when you go to Mexico? You know, I think, I think, um, I think Annabelle does feel uh, significant, but is very safe here. Um, at this point, uh, I don't think there's a need for her to have security detail, but I do know that the, uh, the Mexican government is, um, is very interested in, in her movements and her whereabouts. So, you know, as I said earlier, we just take no undue risks, and uh, when we do go to Mexico, we, we do our best to, uh, to be as careful as possible. And people can can read Proceso online, and if there are people who would like to read English-language versions, you said that the um, investigative reporting program at UC Berkeley would have a website? There's a web, I mean, there's, there's sort of some basic information, general information there, but the, um, basically, the, we're working to get articles co-published in English as well, um, and, and, you know, to that regard, we don't, we, we, we don't, we can't say just yet with whom we're going to be publishing in English, um, but the story should be, it will, be, it will have uh, a wide distribution when it does. But yeah, unfortunately, as freelancers um, in this story, um, we're, 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 we're subject to, you know, depending on the, uh, the outlets that choose to work with us. Well, Steve Fisher, thank you so much for joining us from California. I want to let you know that we've been speaking with Steve, who is a fellow, along with his colleague Annabel Hernandez, at the Investigative Reporting Program at UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism in Berkeley, California. Thank you so much for your work, and we look forward to staying in touch with, with, with what you continue to uncover. Thanks so much, Elena. Have a great evening. Okay, good evening.